Hello and welcome to this GCP short produced in collaboration with friends of the podcast AM Best. Over the next 20 minutes, I will be joined by Daniele Zucchi, Managing Director of Sigard Rook, the Swiss domiciled captive owned by Saipem, Gislan Lecam, a Director of Analytics at AM Best, and Roisin Gallagher, Associate Director within Market Development for AM Best Rating Services. Daniele, Gislan and Roisin discuss how and why captives are rated, the impact of the volatile insurance environment and the effects of the parent and other factors on a captive's rating. But first, Daniele Zucchi explains how the Saipem captive has responded to the hard market. I would like to mention three aspects about uh, about this. Uh, uh, first of all, we reacted increasing some underwriting limits uh, on certain line of business. The typical example here is DNO. We are all aware of the uh, difficulties of uh, of the market in this uh, in this business line. We reacted actually taking in more uh, uh, more risk in order to facilitate, let's say, the placement of the uh, of the program of the group. Secondly, um, we have seen some, the need of uh, buyback certain exclusion coming probably more and more on the employee benefits side of the of our portfolio. One may think to let's say COVID nineteen exclusion or pandemic exclusion is not only related to that. Uh, in general, on, on the benefits uh, side, more and more uh, insurers are in, uh, on a way to try to restrict the benefits uh, available. But through the captive, we can at least try to maintain the coverage as, as they were, as expiry. Last but not least, I would say we are also taking into the captive uh, uh, additional new risks. I would like to mention, for example, uh, a professional indemnity policy that previously was not ceded into the captive because the, the insurance company there didn't want to have a captive on, uh, on the scheme, which uh, to me is uh, quite uh, surprising because uh, more and more this line of business, we see that insurance companies in fact are more comfortable when there is a captive sitting on that but the, this was not the case. We are looking into the cyber placement of the group. Same situation here. The, the, the company that provides this policy to the group doesn't want to have uh, uh, the, cap- the captive in place. Uh, an interesting exercise we have done uh, this year, an employer's liability policy for maritime personnel, which was already covered under the, the wider CGL package of the group, but we carved it out uh, from there in order to assure a more consistent coverage to the many people working for, for the group on board vessels in, uh, in, in different countries on different vessels in different uh, sort of jurisdictions. Really nice, uh, comprehensive rundown, Daniele. And I always, I always like speaking to you as well and, and about your captive because it does have such a broad types of policies in different kinds of areas and it's a good advert for how captives can be used across um, across the portfolio. Uh, Gilan, in, in light of the hardening market, hearing what Daniele said there, have, have you seen a change in the role of captives uh, kind of among those that AM best rights? And then what do you want to see in terms of rating captives? What do you want to see from them to support this growth in business, whether it be new lines or, or just higher retentions? 
I'd, I'd say maybe I'd, I would probably start by reminding what the role of captives are. You know, they are an important risk management tool for their owners and provide them with the flexibility to navigate the underwriting cycle on the insurance side, the reinsurance side, and maintain access to the risk cover that they require on an ongoing basis and uh, usually in a cost-effective manner. So obviously, when market is hardening, you would expect to see captives offering tailor risk solution to the parents where a commercial capacity has reduced or the commercial capacity has maybe become too expensive or even has become unavailable. And I think that this is something Daniele touched on uh, really well. He said that uh, in his case, it's pretty clear that the, the captive's utilization has, has increased. And it's something that we have seen too at AM Best with the, 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 the captives, you know, the other captives we're rating. We've seen an, an uptick in the use of existing captives with usually owners seeking uh, optimal risk transfer solutions. So in this context, captives have, some have increased retentions or limits on existing covers. Some, uh, in some cases, they have expanded into new lines of business, but overall, uh, the parents have looked at optimizing their risk transfer solutions, and that usually has led to an increased utilization of, of captives. Now, to the second part of your question, and uh, Richard, actually, I I would probably not say that this is necessarily what we want to see. I know it's not necessarily our role, but certainly what we would consider in our analysis when we see that there's an increased utilization of of captives. The first thing to say is, uh, again, uh, considering that captives are here to cater for the insurance or reinsurance needs of their owners and and provide cost-effective risk transfer solutions, I'd say that it's really important for them to ensure that they can continue to support their their parents' needs and that they maintain the relevant underwriting expertise or that they maintain access to the relevant underwriting expertise. And that's not only the case when they venture into new lines of business. So, you know, this expertise aspect, this risk management aspect is is really important from, from our standpoint. The other point is that obviously, if a captive underwriting risk increases, we would also look at the impact this has on their balance sheet, their solvency level, and look at understanding the actions that the, the captive is taking to support its ambitions, right? So, unsurprisingly, I'd say that the, the captive's capital management would be thoroughly looked at from, from our uh, point of view, too. So, can you explain then for us how AM Best evaluates and, and rates captives? And is it possible for a captive to have a higher rating than that of its parent? Yeah, of, of course, Richard. And I mean, I guess it wouldn't surprise you if I were to tell you that it's not the first time I'm being asked this uh, second question regarding the, the rating of a captive compared to its parent. But maybe to start with, the, the way we rate captives is uh, similar in essence to how we rate any insurers. Maybe the only thing to add is that we uh, consider the specificities of captives in a criteria called alternative risk transfer. That was for the technical part of it. Now, moving on to our methodology. So it's a methodology that is based on a building block approach. So the rating is the result of an analysis of several blocks that are the balance sheet strengths, the operating performance, the business profile, the enterprise risk management. There's also potential for a comprehensive adjustment uh, that would capture elements uh, that are not taken into consideration in the previous blocks, although it's never been used as far as I'm aware by Invest, so I'm, I'm going to pass on this one. And the last block is the lift and drag block, which is used to assess 
the impact of a non-transparent on the rating of a company. And that block is particularly relevant for, for captives and the second part of your question, uh, Richard. So maybe starting with the evaluation of the balance sheet strengths, when we, when we do this, uh, we, the, the, the first step in doing this is assessing the risk adjusted capitalization. And the primary tool we use to do that at IMBEST is our proprietary uh, risk adjusted capital model called the, the PCAR. That stands for best capital adequacy ratio. So we start by running the PCAR and based on the results of the model, the company will have a BCAR assessment keyword that could be a very strong BCAR or a strongest BCAR. So obviously the, the, the BCAR is uh, important, the BCAR results are important, but it's only one element that we consider among others when we assess the balance sheet strengths. And you know, when we assess the balance sheet strengths, obviously we look at the overall balance sheet. So we look at the level of reserves, the reserving policy of the company, on the asset side, we look at the investment, their quality, the level of liquidity. We'll also look at the reinsurance and whether there's any dependence on reinsurance, whether the reinsurance program is appropriate, and also the impact of, of country risk. And altogether, those elements will result in a baseline assessment, which is the starting point for the rating. So this baseline assessment is determined on ICR scale. So this is our ratings with small letters. So for example, the, the baseline assessment could be a small A-. And then each of the following blocks will impact this starting point either positively, negatively, or, or not, you know, could have a, a neutral impact. So the second building block we, we consider is the operating performance. And here we look at the underwriting performance, the investment performance, and the total operating earnings. Maybe one thing that's important is that we, we place more emphasis on the underwriting profitability because that's, uh, you know, that reflects the expertise of the company and is something that should be more sustainable than the investment result. And maybe again, another mention of the fact that we consider both the track record of earnings and also how uh, we expect earnings to develop uh, over the rating horizon. The rating horizon is typically three years. The third building block is then the business profile. This one is more qualitative, but you know, obviously it will impact the quantitative measures. You know, the business profile will affect the operating performance. And in turn, that will have an impact on the long-term financial strengths of a company. So here we consider several elements, the market position of the company, the product risk, the distribution channel, innovation. But at the end of the day here, what we're trying to assess is to what extent the company has sustainable access to good quality business. So when it comes to captives, the relationship with the parent, how important the captive is to the parent will be key considerations. The next building block is the enterprise risk management, and it's something that we evaluate on three fronts, the risk management framework, the risk management capabilities in light of the risk profile, and the overall ERM. So I've, I've insisted on, on this uh, risk management capabilities in light of the risk profile, because I think it's an important aspect here. Our assessment will be proportional, right? So uh, if a company has a low risk profile, we don't expect them to necessarily have an overly sophisticated ERM framework and ERM capabilities, right? Um, for um, we, we could see less complex ERM processes that function effectively uh, as appropriate if the risk profile is not complex either. And the last building block, and that's probably the, the key one, is the lift and drag 
block. And here, what we are assessing is the impact that a non-intransparent has on the creditworthiness of the rated entity. So that's particularly important for captives. So how do we look at this? So the analysis of the lift drag includes an assessment of publicly available credit measures on the parent. So that would be usually the credit ratings that are uh, publicly available. So market-based credit measures or some independent financial analysis. And we look at all of that and assess the creditworthiness of the parent. Once that's done, we will look at whether lift or drag should be applied to the captive's rating. And in this regard, the key considerations are to what extent does the parent support the captive or could support the captive, and that would be potential for, for lift, or to what extent could the parent call upon the captive to meet its obligations. So if the parent is stronger than the captive from a credit standpoint, uh, we may apply lift. Uh, and elements that would support lift uh, include the importance of the captive to the parent, the explicit support from the parent in the form of a guarantee, but also, uh, you know, the track record in terms of capital support, like, uh, you know, capital injection, dividend policy. So that's for potential lift. On the other side, we could apply drag if the parent is weaker than the captive from a credit standpoint. And if we believe that the captive's resources may be called upon to meet the obligations of the parent. And that could be the case if the captive is not too important to the parent and if uh, the captive can contribute meaningful dividends to the parent. Now, there are instances when the parent might be weaker than the captive from a credit standpoint, and yet we may not apply drag. This would result in the captive being rated higher than its parent. And usually, this is something we would observe when there are sufficiently strong elements in place that would prevent excessive capital extraction from the captive, most notably those would be uh, regulatory restrictions, you know, uh, sort of the strong solvency requirements. But also we, we would consider whether the captive's resources are, are considered, you know, how material they are, if they are immaterial again, that could be a case for not applying drug to the rating. Daniele, it's really good to hear from your perspective as, as a captive owner. Why did Sigard Rook uh, choose to be rated? How, how did that come about? And, and, and how do you find that the, the process you go through and the results, is that whole process uh, beneficial to you? Coming to, to, the, to the why we decided to be, uh, to be rated and undergoing this, uh, this process is simply to explain as our insurance captive, uh, the main costs we, uh, let's say, we, fa- we face are related to fronting costs from seeding companies. There was a period, more or less, like uh, five to six years ago, where uh, because of the internal dynamics in our group, uh, the, the overall group, let's say, financial standing was deteriorating and uh, we... Uh, in the captive started to see more and more questions coming from uh, uh, fronters about collaterals and other kind of uh, expenses. So we decided to, without issues, I would say, and long discussion with our uh, management, specifically at parent level. But at the end, we got green light to go ahead. And uh, uh, the idea uh, was exactly to come to a cut of the fronting costs, which are somehow represented by two uh, elements. First of all, of course, is the, the collaterals itself, cost of providing that, and the availability uh, in terms of, uh, for example, a letter of credit, so an amount that you have to have bound uh, in order to uh, to warranty uh, standings, as well as anyway, when it it was limited to parent company guarantees or 
parent letters or letter of comforts anyway, there was always allocation of capital within uh, within a group. And secondly, anyway, uh, within their fees, uh, the fronters always charge a part uh, of that for the internal credit risks referral that they have to go with their own uh, credit risk department. So this was uh, the main reason why we decided to go for uh, a rating process. Secondly, not less important probably, in the past, when Sigur tried to participate on certain specific placements like construction policies, because this is the main activity of our group, we as a captive, we have been denied participation on these placements because we were not rated or we couldn't somehow demonstrate with that third-party assessment our uh, financial uh, financial standing. So since, let's say, we, we enjoy the rating, um, our opportunities on that line of businesses in particular uh, improved drastically because uh, we, we are now able and capable to present, let's say, our, our financial strength. So uh, the process, uh, as Gislaine described it, it's much quicker when you go through rather than the description of it. It implies, let's say, sessions with financial analysts. Uh, maybe the first one could be requiring some time, so to say, but then when uh, uh, the process is defined on over over the years, uh, I mean, it goes it goes definitely quick, quicker and uh, it is definitely beneficial as i said we manage practically to rehave or so recuperate uh, or recollect but uh, uh, all the collaterals we had some given along the years along the road uh, to different uh, fronting companies uh, as well as of course uh, making some savings on uh, on uh, fronting fees Fantastic. Thank you, Daniele. That's very good to get that insight uh, directly from a, a captive owner. Roisin, how, we've, we've heard the very specific case uh, of, of Sigurd Rook there. Outside of some of those benefits, what are the potential benefits to captives that are seeking a rating? That's a really good question, Richard. There are many benefits from having a captive rating. One of the most cited that we in market development in AMS tend to hear is the reduction in expenses that um, Daniele just cited there. A rating provides additional issues to the reinsurers and fronters that the captive will be able to fulfill its obligations. As a result, it is often possible to negotiate lower fronting fees and reinsurance premiums. Another one, a rating can also offer possible reduction of collateral requirements of lead insurers. Another benefit, Richard, is that the independent third-party oversight of a rating agency can provide the parents board with much more confidence in the captive's operations. So in essence, it validates that the captive is truly operating as an insurance company using sound principles to manage the operations. And finally, the increased emphasis on transparency tends to be a driver for captive ratings as well. Obtaining a rating allows the captive to benchmark itself against other captives that have also been rated. So summing up, the rating process can act as a validation of the captive as part of the risk management operations of the captive's parent. If captive owners are listening who are interested in exploring getting their, their captive rated, what should they do? What would be the process of, of starting that or asking the, the right questions? Initially, they should um, speak to a member of the market development team. Um, so either myself or my colleague, Ricardo Shikotsi. Our contact details can be found on the GC 
ICP website, which we're now proudly friends of. We will set up a meeting with the prospect to walk through the rating process and what we in market development require for the onboarding state. To initiate the commercial process, we will need the captive's latest set of accounts and a copy of the corporate structure so that we can actually form a rating proposal. The rating proposal will be accompanied with a sanctions questionnaire, which is standard protocol for onboarding new clients. Once the proposal is accepted and sanctions documentation has been reviewed, we will issue the contract and invoice to the prospect on receipt of a signed contract and payment of the initial fee. We will pass the captive's contact details onto the analytical team to kickstart the rating process. The process in total takes approximately three to four months, Richard, from conclusion of commercials to the assignment of a rating. And at the end of the process, the client can decide whether they wish to go public with the rating. So that involves doing a press campaign, publicizing it to the market. They can actually keep the rating private so nobody knows about the rating apart from themselves and ourselves. Or they can actually just abandon the process if they're not actually happy with the rating outcome at that stage. So in a nutshell, that's probably it in regards to how to actually initiate the rating process. Well, thank you to Danielle, Roisin and Gislan for an informative and quite unique insight over the past 20 minutes. For more information on all of our guests and AMBest's rating services, please do visit the globalcaptivepodcast.com website and visit our Friends of the Podcast section. There are also links in the episode description or show notes. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well and see you next time, captives. Captives.